0: This is Saving the Game, a Christian podcast about tabletop role-playing and collaborative storytelling. Recorded Thursday, October 5th of 2017, it's episode 119. In this episode, Michael Mendes and Jacob Toman from Gospel and Gaming join us to discuss evangelism to gamers and through games, plus our coolest gaming paraphernalia, a turnaround interview, and Blary the Podcast Train makes his first official Saving the Game appearance. Hey folks, Grant here. Just wanted to preface this episode with a quick note. While Peter sounded fine to everyone else while we recorded this episode, his computer wasn't saving his audio quite right due to an apparent hardware issue. We think we've solved that issue going forward, but his audio in this episode is very rough and of very low quality, for which we apologize. We've made it up to you by bringing in an unexpected third guest this episode, blary the podcast train who has visited nearly every episode we've ever recorded behind the scenes and whom we've always edited out until now due to the conversation which broke out as he dropped by this time we had to leave him in so you're finally getting to meet the inside joke we've had for five and a half years thanks for your patience with this episode enjoy this really excellent conversation we had with jacob and michael i'm sad i missed it and i can't wait to have them back
1: Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Peter.
2: I'm Jenny. I'm Jacob.
1: And I'm Michael. And unfortunately, we are missing Grant tonight. Grant is very, very sick, so hopefully he will be back next time. It sounds like he just got a a flu bug or something, Mm -hmm. but he is um, bolted to his couch right now. Oh, (laughs) no.
3: That's never fun.
1: Attempting to keep water and saltines down. That's been poor Grant today. Mm -hmm.
4: The best part about being sick is you get to play video games, but the worst part about being sick is you don't feel good enough to play video games. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah also he could insert you know movies or whatever else here but yeah it's it's rough man mm-hmm. so speaking of video games why don't you guys introduce yourself because we have a couple of guest hosts tonight
4: yeah well thanks so much for having us uh so i'm jacob toman i'm the lead missionary over at gospel and gaming and i'm here tonight uh with one of my co-workers uh that's crazy enough to dive into this calling that god has uh led us on at, <laughs> at gospel and gaming to Reach out to unbelievers. I'm joined by uh, Michael Mendes, who's our content director over at yep. uh, Gospel and Gaming.
3: Yep i've been I've uh, been with Gospel and Gaming for about two years now, something like that. Maybe a little longer. Yeah, just so, over two uh, years. Yeah. See, so, yeah, I do a lot of the content production and editing and scheduling that kind of thing.
1: So for those who might be unfamiliar, why don't you tell us a little bit more about gospel and gaming? We usually have our hosts plug something here, but why don't you give us like the elevator pitch for it now? And then we'll get into some more detail with you guys and kind of the main segment of the show.
4: Yeah, great. Well, uh, something that we were just discussing about what we should even plug, right? Like, hmm, (laughs) There's, there's a lot of options to choose to plug Uh, one of the things that we would probably just want to plug is just our website over at gospelandgaming.net. If you've got more questions about, um, who we are as a ministry, what we do, uh, what does it look like to missionally approach gaming? Uh, you can read more about that over there at the website, but Michael, how about if you share just a little bit about what you've experienced over the last few years, and then I'll give a kind of a little elevator pitch.
3: Yeah, over the last few years, we've been, uh, working with and playing games with gamers, whether that's online or face-to-face, playing video games, board games, tabletop role-playing games, uh, just getting to know people and then also going out to churches and telling people about gaming culture, uh, helping them understand what gamers are like and how to reach out to them and minister to them and show the love of God to them. Uh, So yeah, we spend a lot of time empowering gamers with the gospel and equipping the church with the ability to go out and, and do likewise. All right. We pretty much
4: function as a bridge, like the elevator pitch for when we started in 2013 was trying to be a bridge uh, in between these these two wonderful, beautiful people groups, both the, the church as well as uh, gamers. And uh, it's been a fascinating journey since 2013 uh, and what that looked like to share who Jesus is and, and why he matters with folks all over the world and share who gamers are and why Christians should uh, be involved and care about this wonderful people group. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Fantastic. Was that, was that a churchy enough intro? Was that like a, <laughs> was
1: that a clean <laughs> yeah. enough Yeah, I, I, I think that could have gone right into the All announcements right. awesome. at my church. So Excellent. So
3: good. <laughs> we're refining, we're getting better, we're nailing this. That's right. One day at a time. <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> All right. Well, as part of our podcast, um,
1: one thing that uh, I should mention is, as always, we're going to be doing a Patreon question in this episode. Uh, If you would like to be able to add to this list, simply back us on Patreon at any level, and we will add your question to the random question table. And when we uh, ask your question on an episode and answer it, uh, you can send us another one, and we'll slot that one in. Or if you decide you have a bunch that you want, just give them to us in whatever order you want them to show up in the table, and we'll make that happen, too. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's see what we got tonight. I got a die here. Okay, so this one is from Jim Nanban. And this one is uh, is kind of cool. Um, what is the coolest piece of RPG paraphernalia you have? Cool dice bags, rare or autographed books, just about anything except for podcasts, since that would make this way too easy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I've I've actually got a pretty good one. I, I I think most people listening to this podcast know who Chris Hussey is. In case you don't, Chris Hussey is uh, co-host at Fear the Boot, hmm. uh, the Fear the Boot podcast.
1: And he was actually one of the guest hosts on our fitness episodes. That's right. That was fairly recent, too. Oh, sweet. I need to pick that up then. Yeah.
2: Yeah. However, for a little while, he was also writing for Battletech. And I managed to find at a gaming convention in Ottawa one of the modules that Chris Hussey wrote And I got him to sign it at Fear the Con 5, I believe. (laughs) And in in the front of the book, he apologized for writing such a terrible module and and hoped that I never ran it or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Looking through it, it it was sort of like a Save the Princess plot, but in Battletech. So not a bad premise. I have no clue how it would play out because I've never actually run any Battletech before. But uh, yeah. So that's that's probably my p- coolest piece of, of uh, gaming paraphernalia.
1: I've got a couple of good ones, but uh, Michael, Jacob, do you guys want to go first? or Oh, man, what do you got, Michael? I got to think for a minute.
3: I would say for me, as someone who doesn't have tons and tons of experience with tabletop role-playing games, the coolest and most awesome bit of tabletop gaming paraphernalia that I have is just a, a set of dice that was given to me. I I think shortly after my first time playing Dungeons and Dragons. You know, it's nothing fancy. It's just a set of purple dice, but it was just really cool to be able to get that. I'd never had anything like that before and it just kind of brought the experience home a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I mm-hmm. when I see that like on my desk, I just get I get kind of warm fuzzies. Like, oh <laughs> yes. I remember that
2: really thanks uh
4: i think probably the thing that i'm most like nerdy excited about in terms of like worldly possessions uh isn't actually a game so maybe i'm cheating so if i'm cheating you know our our patreon question uh asker can can come find me and and feel free to rebuke (laughs) me uh (laughs) but i actually have a uh signed copy of jane mcgonigal's reality is broken so for those of you who don't know jane Uh, She's a game designer, she speaks about games, and she wrote a New York Times bestseller called Reality is Broken. And in it, she outlines a lot of really wacky, crazy uh, ideas, and she also points out a lot of really awesome ideas. Uh, And it was through reading that book, uh, as well as through a couple of other influential books uh, that really got me started uh, down this uh, whole pursuit of life and ministry and gaming. So uh, when somebody went to a convention uh, and to a conference and Jane McGonigal was speaking there and uh, he got a copy of the book and he sent it to me, I had no idea it was coming. And I just got an Amazon package uh, or a UPS package in the mail one day. And uh, and then my buddy John gave me a call. And he said, Hey, did you get a package? And I said, Yeah, what is this? Like, Jane McGonagall <laughs> sent me a package of her book. He's like, Yeah, man. Pretty sweet, huh? I just saw her at the convention. You should have been there. I was like, Oh, man. That been awesome. So <laughs> not, I'm probably totally cheating. It's not technically a game, but that's. Nope, nope, no. Nope.
1: See, here's no, the thing. It's, it's
2: gaming if, aligned. It's gaming aligned. Yeah. If,
1: if you were on a different rpg podcast you might be but you're on saving the game we've had sarah lynn bowman and jack birkenstock and like you know the Adams from wheelhouse workshop on so like the whole uh gaming is therapy gaming for general good you know all of that's it all counts man you know (laughs) scholarly gaming research whatever that's good (laughs) i have two actually uh the first one i referenced on our episode when we had ken height on many moons ago And that's a copy of Gurp's Cabal that he signed. Mm. And then the the other one that I have, I I get to um, brag about my wife's creativity a little bit here. My wife is a professional crafter. Mm. I have a black leather dice bag with a drawstring that has... She took the symbol of the Archangel Lawrence from... In nomine, and hand painted it on the side in silver paint. Oh, wow. wow! So I have a very cool looking dice bag.
2: No kidding. Uh, if
1: if you haven't seen the symbol, it's this really he, he's the archangel of the sword in that game. So it's like this really cool like sword with some other ones coming off of it, and there's like a a circle behind it that kind of looks like a sun or something. It's it's really neat looking. That's
4: awesome. So that's
1: that's yeah, that's my cool gaming paraphernalia. We gotta get a
4: picture of that. Up on the up on the notes, right? We can do that. We can make Grant mm-hmm. do that when he feels better.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can certainly take a picture and yeah, awesome. shoot it over so folks can see it. It's getting kind of weathered, but it still looks pretty great.
4: That probably makes it look more like even more rugged, even more authentic. Yeah,
1: like. yeah. It's I, I got to admit, it's the coolest dice bag I've ever had, <laughs> and I'm probably never going to stop using yeah. it because it's heavy duty leather. You know, yeah. it's yeah. like it's going to wear yeah, out. That's
4: awesome. so. so your wife takes orders for those, or? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, my my wife actually sews purses for a okay. living. She made that for me one Christmas. So that's awesome. she most of the time sells very feminine, girly stuff because that's what she's really good at and makes money at. And cool. yeah. Anyway, uh, we should probably get into our scripture here. Uh, since you guys are guests, do you have any preference? Would you like to read something? Do you want to let us do it? Does one of you want to take something and the other one doesn't?
4: Michael, you want to take one?
1: Michael, you got a beautiful voice for reading scripture.
3: Thank you, Jacob. I appreciate that. Sure, I'll, I'll take the first one. I'll take uh, Psalm 105. Okay. Psalm 105, 1-4. One Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. Sing to Him. Sing praise to Him. Tell of all His wonderful acts. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always
2: some audiobook-level stuff, dude. Yeah, no kidding. He's got an amazing voice, people. It's
3: it's
1: glorious. (laughs) Can we just force him to read all of our scripture going forward? Don't don't, don't fuck my ego too much, man. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take Matthew. This is uh, Matthew 13, 10 through 13. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand.
2: And Romans 10, verses 11 through 15. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How, then, can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So
1: our main topic tonight is pretty much you guys, uh, evangelism at the gaming table. So to start out with, what exactly in detail is gospel
3: and gaming and what do you do?
4: Oh, boy. Michael, do you want to take a stab at this one first or you want me to?
3: I'll take a stab at it. So basically, Gospel and Gaming is a ministry that's dedicated to reaching out to gamers with the gospel, with the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, as well as equipping the church uh, to do the same thing, to be able to go out and interact with gamers and get to know them and be able to share God's love with them as well. Um, we do that through going out to churches to give presentations and ask or answer questions that people in the church have, as well as playing games with folks regularly, whether that's uh, online or face-to-face, playing video games or tabletop role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons or any number of things, Overwatch, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But we, we build up a community of gamers that we play with regularly and we get to know them and we... We open up to them and we become vulnerable to them and we become their friends. And as the Lord allows, as the Spirit provides opportunities, we have the chance to talk about Jesus.
4: Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's that That was brilliant. That's exactly uh, what we do. I mean, one, one way that uh, one elder at a church uh, <laughs> put it was, so you guys do what regular missionaries do. You just do it in games. Yes, yes, that, yep. that, that's that. We uh, want to interact uh, with the culture. That we've been called to interact with. And let's be honest, we get to play a lot of video games. It's a pretty awesome culture to be, you know, serving. Uh, <laughs> and so we're, we're delighted and we're honored and we're glad to be able to get to learn things uh, and experience new games and meet folks where they're at and see all sorts of folks uh, going through life who have got questions and who are curious about different things. Uh, and who have got you know, wonderful life experiences that they want to share with friends uh, and tragic life experiences uh, that cause them to question the deep things of life. So uh, it's a wonderful relational evangelistic opportunity to play games with folks uh, and to allow our faith to speak into the lives of those who we care about and who care about us, uh, that it's a two-way street for conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, speaking of life experiences, give us some background on yourselves. Oh boy! What are your uh, histories as Christians and as gamers look like, and how did you kind of come to the decision that you wanted to merge these things and make it a, a formal ministry that you're doing? Mm.
4: So there's a couple questions in there to unpack. I'll tackle the first one just on personal conviction and personal faith. It's just a an awesome thing that we picked out Romans ten eleven through fifteen as our as one of our scriptures for tonight because that mm-hmm. to me personally that mm-hmm. was a passage of scripture in college that I had written up on on my wall in my apartment. And it was a really convicting piece of scripture. It was something that I was trying to memorize that week while I was in school. One of my buddies that uh, was my roommate, he just said some stuff to me that really convicted me um, about my own life. And one of the things that he said was, you know, Jacob, you say you're a Christian, but you really don't live much different than anybody else around here who isn't. Uh, And about a day and a half after that, I walked back into my room and I just had Romans 10, 11 through 15, just kind of staring at me, like, how am I bringing the good news? You know, do I have beautiful feet? <laughs> Which is always a, a, a strange turn of brains, right? Um, but it was really, really convicting. I grew up in a Christian home. I've got two older sisters who are both believers. I've got uh, two married parents who are both believers. And yet it really wasn't until that day in college where I was able to, to be forced into a decision that I had to take ownership of the faith of my family and the faith of previous generations uh, in my family. So for me, that's a just a, a wonderful piece of scripture. That's a good reminder. And then there were some more questions in there, but before we tackle those, I'll turn it over to Michael.
3: Yeah, I too was raised in a uh, household that was Christian. My my dad's actually one of the pastors at our church. So I've been immersed in in Christianity all my life because of that. I don't know if I can point out to any one particular moment when I became a Christian, but over time, just learning more. And at some point it went from being just something that I went through motions of to something that I actually believed. Hmm. That probably would have been around middle school, thereabout, something like that. Like I said, I don't remember a specific moment, but just over time, recognizing that my parents' faith wasn't my own—you know, the faith of everyone that I knew at church wasn't my own—it had to be something personal. Uh, and it took a, a little while, you know. I had to be in the church for a while to to recognize that. But eventually, over time, it just became something more personal and something more more proactive than passive, as it as it was in in my my childhood i'd say it was just hey i'm at church with my folks uh, i'm hanging out with other kids and then eventually it's like hey this is this is a personal relationship and that's probably something i've still struggled with over the years is just wrapping my head around the uh the concept of i'm in a relationship with uh with jesus with my savior but that's something that's been growing more and more certainly more and more as i've been in ministry and I've been interacting with folks. God called me to be in a ministry where I'm, I'm going out and sharing the faith that I have. I'm giving, I'm giving a reason for the hope that I have. And there are folks in our, in our minute that we interact with in ministry that don't have that. And so all of a sudden I, I need to be able to articulate that. And so it, it continues to to grow in that respect.
2: Cool. Uh, so what about your guys' gaming histories? Like how did you get into gaming? Like, I know f- for me, my, my situation is a little unique. I was pretty much born into gaming, but I know that most people aren't. So uh, <laughs> yeah, <you grew> up, <laughs> how did you right? guys
4: like as a four year old playing D&D, right? Like, or yeah, or no.
2: yeah, that's that's right. Because gaming happened at my house so that the parents didn't have to get a babysitter. So I just kind of which that is rolling awesome, dice. by the way.
4: That's awesome. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> I will I will tell them that they've heard it a lot. <laughs> But um so yeah, how did you get into gaming and and at what point did you decide to um not, not conflate but to, to make those two aspects of yourself, like the the Christianity and the gaming intersect like that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And yeah, and how did you get into gaming in the first place even? Yeah. So- yeah. Yeah, gaming
4: origins are always a, a fun place to start. I think at least at, at some points for me. I I really don't classify myself as someone that grew up as a gamer. I got to dabble a little bit in D&D here and there, you know, maybe once or twice a year, either with Boy Scouts or high school friends. Got to dabble a little bit in RTSs uh, with like Red Alert and StarCraft. Mm. But my family, really, we weren't the family that, really owned a lot of video games or or even computer games. Um, I had to go elsewhere and interact with other friends. A lot of my youth uh, was spent playing basketball and sports. And then when I got a chance to play games, it was playing basketball and sports games. (laughs) So that was a lot of my uh, uh, gaming experience. And so it's been both a privilege and a challenge to come in and really learn uh, about gaming culture and to learn about gaming language and to learn about um, music that gamers appreciate and philosophy that gamers appreciate in, uh, different types of gaming genres that I didn't even know exist, um, that are just amazing and fascinating. So a lot of, a lot of discovery throughout my gaming formative years. But I would say that really I became a gamer and a part of gamer culture, uh, in 2011, uh, when I'd moved away from Michigan, where I'd mostly grown up and married and met my wife, uh, and came to seminary, uh, in St. Louis, Missouri. And at that point, most of my social network was spread out either across the country or across the world. And the way how we all stayed in touch was by playing League of Legends together. Mm. So, you know, not many people probably have the testimony that they really became gamers, you know, while they were working on their master's degree. But that, that, that was what was true <laughs> for me, um, you know, at a, at a very, very prestigious uh, institution for education there i was slacking and getting terrible grades because i was playing you know w- just one more game guys it's two in the morning but just one more game come on um, <laughs> of of league of legends so that was kind of the start of it for me and i think that that was a formative process that the lord used to uh, uh just as an experience to get to know people and get to stay in touch with people um during a time at which i was very very uh, much being challenged about faith and very much thinking about ministry and intentionality in it how about you michael
3: yeah, for me, it's uh, kind of different because I was a gamer from an early age. So I I became aware of Sonic the Hedgehog at around, I don't know, maybe four or five years old
2: uh-huh. and just
3: instantly <laughs> fell in love with that whole, that whole franchise. I got a, a Sega Genesis sometime in the, the mid to late 90s. I remember playing Sonic games, tons and tons, memorizing the entire game, practically multiple games. Uh, and over, over time, I, I just played more and more video games. I started playing more role-playing games, video game RPGs, uh, and then gradually branched out into shooters and adventure games and so forth. But I've been, I'd been playing video games for many, many years prior to joining gospel and gaming. And it was when I I joined gospel and gaming, uh, a couple of years ago that I started to get introduced to the broader world of board games and uh, a little bit of uh, tabletop role playing games as well. I, I had a general sense of of the most common like party board games, stuff mm-hmm. like apples to apples and risk and life and, you know, all those like real basic ones. Uh, but then as soon as I, I started with gospel and gaming, I realized, oh my goodness, there's this vast world of board games out there and there's all sorts of depth and strategy involved. And And then we started playing Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I got to be a part of my first uh, Dungeons and Dragons group and just the whole experience of like a completely different type of role playing than I was used to when playing something like Fable or... Mass Effect or something like that, and just the experience of interacting with folks around a table in a campaign. So I've been I've been doing gaming for a long time, but it's it's just been video gaming in particular, and lots of variety in video gaming. But then over the last couple of years, my knowledge and experience in in other realms of gaming has been steadily growing, and I'm I am continuously amazed at all the things I don't know about those things. <laughs>
1: So, this begs a quick follow-up question, and I guess maybe Jenny and I should answer this too, just yeah. to make things equitable, but since you really, really started getting into gaming, what is the the thing that you have discovered it could be a whole genre, like uh, Jacob was talking about, or it could just be like a, a specific you know game franchise or something? What is the thing that you discovered that you think has been the most um, influential or the coolest to you in terms of... What your preferences are and what you really enjoy.
4: Oh, that's—I mean—that's very simple for me. Michael could answer for me. Uh, <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't for League of Legends, I would not be here tonight. Hmm. It's a—it's a terrible game. <laughs>
1: On so many fronts, um, you played it for years, I've Jacob. It's it one of the years. it's one of the largest games out there, but it's yeah. terrible. Yeah, it's oh gosh,
4: there are too many stories. Like we we have jokes in the communities that we're in, you know, and we call them hashtag league stories. And then somebody launches mm-hmm. into a story about how you know something went terrible, or something went great, or something went <laughs> tragically wrong, or somebody should have called out something that was about to happen. Yeah, I, I would say League of Legends by far and really what it tapped in for me, and it, maybe it's an, an improper comparison, but what it tapped into for me was my basketball instincts. It's a five on five video game where you have roles and specific duties and specific responsibilities and specific plays that can be made. Uh, and so it very much tapped into my athleticism, my desire for competitiveness, as well as my desire to cooperate uh, and build relationships in a cooperative but also competitive environment. Uh, so for me, without a doubt, League of Legends is, has been the coolest thing. Uh, the most recent cool thing has been D and D, which is just a whole other again realm. But that it's got to be League for me.
1: Okay, so hang on one one follow up follow up question. Which edition are you playing? Uh, most recently, we're playing
4: Fifth Edition, which. Some people, some folks have very strong opinions about fifth edition as being, oh, like, oh, man, you should have started back in the day. And then some folks are like, oh, it's so great that you're with fifth edition and you don't have to go through all that stuff from back in the day. So I'm not sure where you guys fall on that spectrum.
1: <laughs> I would be in that latter category. I started with third edition. Okay. And if I could send the 5e books back in time to my younger self, uh, my younger self would be wondering where these books from the future <laughs> <are>. <laughs> <That's> great.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I fall somewhere in the middle on that, actually, which I think is probably a pretty... Rare opinion, because I for me I've got the huge nostalgia associated with second and third edition, but I also recognize that fifth edition is a really, really good game to get people started at the very least, because mm. it's way less intimidating. Sure. Um in a lot of respects.
1: Here's the thing. I love me a good janky three E or Pathfinder build mm-hmm. and I I enjoy like noodling around with the character stuff and that. I am not really anti third edition. It's just I'm 39 now, and my gaming is like two and a <laughs> yeah. half, three hours a week if I'm yep. lucky.
2: Yeah, you need to and get I that I just don't have
1: time for all the crunch anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So if I could
1: send the, like the, the faster, more streamlined version back to my younger self and just get familiar with it, I'm just thinking that would have saved me some learning curve time at the beginning of the process. <laughs> Although, yeah. granted, the learning curve is very shallow.
2: Yeah. So yeah, Michael, what about you? What's been like your influential gaming influence.
3: I'd say if I had to pick one really influential gaming influence, it would probably be Skies of Arcadia for Mm. the Sega Dreamcast. Uh, That was the first, that was one of the first role-playing games uh, that I played. And, you know, up to that point, I'd been playing mostly platformers, mostly Sonic, quite frankly. (laughs) Skies of Arcadia (laughs) was one of the first games you showed me when we first started chatting it was uh, it was it was really the game that kind of introduced me to the concept of a grand world and a story and exciting characters and all of those things that come with something that's very narrative heavy uh, and ever since then I've been a bigger fan of role-playing games than probably uh, any other any other kind of game and I like plenty of games I like trying to branch out and doing stuff that I I'd, I'd never done before in terms of of gameplay but role playing games now are something that I come back to time and again uh video game role playing games in particular although I've started to I've done a little bit of branching out now into the the tabletop realm of that but just the the concept of getting wrapped up in a huge story and having great characters and being, you know, a part of a bigger fictional world is something that really draws me into a game. Mm-hmm. Jenny, what have you got for this one?
2: Uh, Pretty much what I said earlier, actually. I, th- I think second and third edition, really 3.5 was when I was gaming the most frequently and regularly, and I've got a lot of good memories about it. I've got a lot of bad memories too. However, they're definitely out- outweighed by the good memories. I think it's most influential for me in the example in my real life where I still can't wrap my mind around fate aspects because that's not a skill. It's just a phrase. I don't get it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's, it's hard for me. It's so hard for me to wrap my mind around these things that determine what you can do, but that's not a skill. It, it just, yeah, I'm definitely heavy, heavy into D&D in general, but mostly 3.5.
1: I've gone back and forth on a couple of different things for me on this, but I think I'm going to say discovering um, indie games, both in the tabletop and video gaming sphere, mm-hmm. kind of these small little projects where people try and do neat, interesting stuff that may or may not actually work. Mm-hmm. That let me play things like FTL, and even mm-hmm. um, some people considered like Torchlight to be an indie game back in the yeah. day, even though that's a fairly large studio now. Mm-hmm. And I just... I, I really enjoyed a lot of that, and then on the role-playing side, yeah, I've gotten to play things like In a Wicked Age, and I've got uh, Savage Worlds and Don't Rest Your Head and a bunch of other cool smaller RPGs on my shelf around here. So. so let's get into some less... Oh, duh. The most important thing. So what made you guys decide you wanted to merge these two together? Oh boy. Um... And what did that process look like for you? That's a great question. When we get
4: that one figured out, we'll come back on the podcast. And
1: uh, <laughs>
4: so here's here's the irony: is as, as soon as we started um, as a missions organization in 2013, like one of the first things some of our backers and and some of my mentors said was, "Look, you've got to You got a plan. You need to have a vision." Um, You need to have a a 20-year grand plan of where you hope the Lord takes you and that you can be praying for, that you can be moving towards, but you've got to have a goal in mind uh, when you start out. Otherwise, this thing is just going to go every single which way, especially in such a diverse and uh, massively awesome group of people as gamers, where there are gamers all over the place. Um, We've had to wrestle with questions internally, like, are we a ministry to board gamers? Are we a ministry to tabletop gamers? Are we a ministry to collectible trading card gamers? Are we a ministry to esports? Are we a ministry to online communities in general? Uh, are we going to be technologists? Are we Christian technologists? And we're going to talk about social media and how we can use social media for God. Uh, we, these are all questions that we've kind of had to wrestle with. Um, and I'm actually really thankful looking back at our mentors that said, hey, look, set a goal, set some goalposts, set something up so that way you've got a vision moving forward. So we did that in 2013. We started with our first three-year missions plan in 2013, uh, which was really set up to ask the question, uh, is it possible that gamers are a culture unto themselves, are a people group unto themselves, and therefore, just as any other people group ought to uh, have the message of the gospel brought to them in language and in thought forms? that is both persuasive as well as relevant, as well as logical, uh, makes sense uh, in a way that is presented that isn't uh, boastful or that isn't forceful, but rather that's relational, uh, that's personal, and that points back to Jesus, the person who sends us wherever we go as Christians. So that was where we started out was with that question. Hey, is gaming missions even a thing and is it possible? And are gamers uh, a culture and a people group unto themselves? And that second question always gets answered whenever we go and we speak at a church and we go up and and Michael, you can echo this or not. Uh, But whenever we start talking about gamer language and we just put up that slide about when somebody in World of Warcraft says WTB uh, 420 Draenor set. And then, you know, there's one or two folks in the audience. It's like, Oh, I know what that means. And everybody else Mm is like, oh, (laughs) there's the gamer in the audience. Oh, You
1: know, so it's like, hey,
4: gamers do have a language. They do have a philosophy. And there are lots and lots and lots of micro cultures and subcultures inside the greater gaming culture. So I think that's really what got us started in 2013 was asking that question. We're in our second three-year missions phase right now uh, in 2017. Our 20 year missions plan is to replicate 20 years worth of mission here in the United States is to replicate what we've done here in the United States and do that in China. Our stats from Jane McGonigal in 2012 were first when we started doing all the research for all this project to get launched in 2013, where that there were 180 million gamers here in the United States and that there were 200 million gamers uh, in China. So that was kind of our starting base to go, OK, how do we get to China? How do we use Uh, the experiences that the Lord is going to give to us in order to do good ministry here stateside uh, and internationally through using the Internet? And then how are we going to duplicate that in China uh, over the next 20 years? So that's really what kind of has brought us together. And that's kind of the journey that we're on now. That's a little bit of where I'm at. Michael joined us uh, about a year and a half into the project. Michael, can you give some background on how that works for you?
3: Yeah, for me, I was looking at the time to do something in gaming journalism. Like I, various doors for other, other opportunities had been closed and I was looking for something to do with gaming journalism. And quite frankly, I was a little surprised that I hadn't thought of it sooner just because I'd been doing gaming for so long uh, and because I'd done a fair amount of writing in college. And so I wound up getting connected with Jacob through uh, my former pastor at my church, one of my former pastors. I, I mentioned to him, I'm, I'm looking to do something in gaming. And he's like, oh, I know someone who does gaming. I know Jacob.
4: Which is so weird because I had met with George a year earlier. Right. And like we hadn't chatted since then. So it's, yeah. it, it's just, huh. it's so, yeah, I always think back to that conversation with George and it's like, that's so amazing that God used that to bring us together.
3: Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so since then, I've been I've been working primarily on on content and thinking about what it looks like to write articles and do videos and audio on what it looks like to to do the things that gospel and gaming set out to do from the beginning. So when when gospel and gaming started, a lot of what they were doing was building up the community who were playing predominantly League of Legends at the time and building that up and getting to know people and creating the ministry. And when I joined, I was able to add writing. I was able to provide a different gaming background. Jacob has a different gaming background than I do as you've you've already heard. And so, you know, my task is is a lot of thinking about, okay, what does it look like to educate the church? You know, what does it look like as I'm creating an article to be able to Explain gaming lingo to folks in ways that is easy for them to understand and finding points of connection between Christians and gamers, you know, between the church culture and gaming culture and trying to make it as easy as possible for folks in the church to be able to meet and interact with gamers because there's, there's way more gamers out there In the U.S. alone, let alone China, than what Jacob and I and in our one ministry is able to do. But if we're able to equip the church to be able to do some of the same things in terms of just being able to sit down with a gamer and listen to them and share life with them and be able to play games a little bit with them, that goes a long way in being able to bring the church to to be able to spread the gospel more effectively to this to this people group. Hey, can right. I put
4: my own plug in for saving the game in here?
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, you're
4: you're on it. You're on so. it. I mean, like, realistically, <laughs> it, you know, in 2013, when we started doing research on all of these different organizations, groups, and communities that are involved in gaming, it was just amazing to see and over the years to learn about other Christians who have got, you know, we've all got the same passions, both for our faith as well as for our culture that we're a part of as gamers and so it's just amazing to get to meet different people uh, like you, Jenny, like you, Peter, and like you, Grant, get better soon. But like everybody who's a part of these different communities that we're all involved in as Christians, that really the Lord is at work doing something here, not just in one particular organization, but really throughout you know, several different parts and throughout several different minds. And that's, that's amazing to be alive. It, it may sound really cheesy, but it's amazing to be alive at this point in time in history where so many different people from so many different places around the world share a common faith. And a common hobby or a common culture, and that's gaming, and we're all coming together and using those two things for God's glory. That's a, that's amazing and really awesome to be a part of.
3: Yeah, and even even in terms of just like our own gaming backgrounds, just to to point that out. I, I often. I recognize that I'm blessed that I was able to bring something different to the table when I joined gospel and gaming than what Jacob was able to provide. And you guys have your own background, your own gaming story, your own things that you love about gaming that are similar to some others and different from other people. But all of this is part of one grander picture. And, you know, none of us are going to be able to, to speak, you know, with expertise on everything. Uh, But God's given us gifts to be able to speak to different aspects of gamer culture. And together, we're able to do something that individually we wouldn't ever be able to do. I do have to say that's
1: one of the things that was kind of surprising and also very gratifying and humbling to me as I've been doing this podcast over the years is just how many other awesome people are involved in this stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when Grant and I first started years back, it was kind of like, well, you know, let's, let's see what we can do with this little thing. And we started bumping into people who had kind of come before us, like the Mike Pernas and Derek Whites of mm-hmm. the world. And I was like, yeah. wow, this is, uh, this is actually something that, you know, there there are people here already, but this is still very underserved. This is such a massive population, and let's not beat around the bush. I, I'm sure you guys see this with video games, too. There's some rifts to be yeah. healed there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Very, very so, much so. Yeah. So, kind of building on that, what exactly does evangelism look like these days? Because yeah, um,
2: I I admit I have a personal interest in this because Anglicanism does not lend itself well to to evangelism. <laughs> okay, hey, <laughs> I, I Reformed, will say that
4: as Reformed Presbyterians, we can say yeah, yeah amen, sister. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so as as much as we we do work in the community, we aren't terribly evangelical about it. Sure. If that makes sense sure. in in my church. So I I am curious to to know what evangelism looks like now.
4: Yeah. That's a great question. So first off, everybody needs to go uh, dedicate about six weeks of their of their lives to reading three books. One of them is Evangelism in the Early Church, uh, which is an awesome book by Michael Green. It's beautiful, and by far it it is for me. It's been the best encouragement that what we're doing today as gamers is actually no different than what God has done throughout the centuries. Like, we are not going out and starting something new. And, and we hear that a lot. Uh, and folks that we talk with, whether that's at different conferences or whether that's different podcasts or different churches, is folks like, oh my gosh, this is such a new idea. Gaming and faith. It's like, no, no, it's not. Like, this is a really old idea that goes all the way back to Jesus and the woman at the well, just spending time together with different people. Jesus at the wedding ceremony. Right. Where he's just there having a party, mm-hmm. enjoying a social event, doing what. Yeah. I, he got into trouble for spending time with the wrong people a, a lot, lot in yeah. scripture. And realistically, like Michael, you know, we both have got stories about folks in churches that, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of concern. Hey, you know, uh,
1: are you mm-hmm. sure you should be hanging out with that crowd? Yeah. Which, by the way, from like a missional standpoint, is the sign that you are hanging out with the exact right yeah. crowd. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. As yeah. discouraging as
4: it is in the moment. When we're given those moments of reflection it's like this is actually really important um what we're doing and when we do hear that pushback it it is a good reminder the second book um that really informs a lot of what we do is called the heart of evangelism by Jerome bars that's a great book uh and then of course i've already mentioned reality is broken but but really what evangelism looks like today and online On the one hand, I I recognize that I want to give you guys some principles, some tips, some pragmatic stuff that we do. But on the other hand, I also don't want to make it sound like we've come up with this new thing. No, this is really something that God has been at at work doing all along. Uh, But because of the way how technology is now today, uh, specifically, you know, Internet mediated communication technology, we've actually got a lot of opportunities that previously have not existed in this format. Uh, Mm -hmm. before, right? Like we can go and look at the journeys of Paul throughout the New Testament and go, man, this guy dedicated his life to a region of the world and it took him months to get across it. Whereas for us, we can have a gospel conversation with someone in Beijing in six hours from now online using Skype while we're playing a video game together. And we're on two opposite sides of the planet. That's amazing. And that's never been able to happen Mm -hmm. before
1: yeah I mean, just just to really drive this home right now, Jenny's up in Canada. I'm in Northern Illinois. You guys are in the St. Louis area and we can all hear each other just yeah, yep. yeah. and if we had Granton, we'd have somebody in South Carolina. which is amazing. like I again to me I don't I, I don't see how we can look at history
4: and look at the church up until now, regardless of whatever tradition it is that you're coming from. I don't I don't see how we can be people of faith. And not look back and go, this is a really, really awesome time to be alive. And then if you're a gamer on top of that, and you're like, oh my gosh, I can play D&D with somebody that's like in Seattle. Like I can totally do, or play D&D with somebody that's in Argentina. Like we can do that. So yeah. it opens up a lot mm-hmm. of doors. Um, it also poses a lot of questions about cross-cultural communication. Uh, it also poses a lot of questions about social norms and social mores, uh, which is really where uh, having a mutually shared culture as gamers comes in that we need to be able to be proficient in our gaming uh, as well as efficient in our gaming. Uh, That's probably one of the bigger concerns that folks have for us is, hey, is all all that you ever do is play video games? And the answer is no. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But that is a lot of what we do. We do play games with people a lot. uh, And that's our primary means of building relationships with folks for the purpose of then having gospel conversations. So I'd love to hear, because I've gotten to hear a little bit from you guys just from listening to podcasts, but I'd love to hear just this one word that we'd like to ask folks when we go and, and chat at churches. Is just what comes to mind when you think of evangelism? And then we can kind of build off of that. But what comes to mind when you think of evangelism? Like, what are some So what are the pictures that come to your mind, I guess?
1: Honestly, probably pamphlets yeah.
4: and stuff. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. good. That's one.
2: For me, like, this is terrible, but I honestly think of it as a very aggressive thing. So we, for me, the word would be aggression, which isn't necessarily the best one, but it's the one that I've had the most experience with. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah.
4: Yeah. My, I mean, Michael can probably testify that when we're playing PUBG or League of Legends, I'm a pretty aggressive individual. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, but that, that's great, right? So a lot of the time we think of tracts, we think of aggression, we think of door to door. Maybe we think of, of somebody trying to corner us uh, into having a conversation that we really in the moment wouldn't want to have, maybe if it was another point in time, we would have it, but we don't want to have it at that present point in time. Um, so really one of the great things about internet mediated communication and about playing games together with folks is that people, when they're playing games have got time to have those sorts of conversations. Uh, yeah. now that doesn't mean that we go into a, a game, you know, I, we had one technical engineer a couple of years ago who said, so this is my picture of your guys' evangelism. You're just going on to different forms and message boards and like spamming John 3.16. Is that what you do? <laughs> and the answer is no.
3: <laughs> no, not at all.
4: <laughs> so really a lot of what we do uh, is relational based evangelism where we actually have to spend the time to get to know somebody. Some, something that Jerem Bars uh, has put is, uh, is this way. If you don't know somebody to speak into their life on a daily basis, how are you going to know somebody to speak into their life on an eternal basis? hmm
3: and that's something that really, that's,
4: really... It's very wise. Yeah, yeah, it guides a lot of what we do.
3: To talk about some of the nitty gritty aspects and some of the challenges that come with that, like we've talked about like how, how much opportunity the internet provides and being able to communicate with people across great distances and being able to communicate with people who have time to to do that kind of thing it does come with its own challenges too in the sense of you know when you're face to face with someone you have that closer interaction with someone whereas on the internet a lot of times there's there's and there's a certain level of anonymity or at the very least you just can't see the other person you're talking to uh, and so a lot of what we have to think about as we're going about our our efforts of evangelism online in particular is just thinking about okay what is the way we're communicating what are the the pros and cons of the way we're communicating so if it's entirely in text for example like text-based communication it's really hard to get something like sarcasm across like you can do it mm-hmm. but there's a risk of being misunderstood that kind of being able to understand like okay I'm using this specific kind of communication. It brings its own pluses, but it also brings some minuses that I need to be aware of. And I think that just takes, takes practice. I would imagine, Jacob, over the years that you spent before I arrived with Gospel and Gaming, you probably had a lot that you learned over the years of playing League of Legends and figuring out what it looked like to communicate with people. But just that aspect of, okay, if I'm going to do this intentionally, I have to be able to know the tools that I have and learn to do something that maybe I haven't done a whole lot before.
4: Yeah, and Jenny, you used the word aggressive, right? When you thought of Mm -hmm. evangelism. Yeah. Really like piggybacking off of what Michael just said. When we're chatting with somebody online, a lot of the time walls of aggression just get broken down as we're playing a game right? You just get to know one another. Mm -hmm. You get to see one another when you're frustrated during a particularly challenging game. You get to see one another when you're excited, when you're doing well, when you level up, when you have a great moment, Uh, you get to share those moments together. And that's really great because it builds towards times that are going to happen in life because it happens to Mm -hmm. all of us where uh, you lose a family member or you lose a job uh, or you change the nature of a relationship with a loved one, or there's uh, a particularly traumatic event that happens in life. Or there's a moment in time where there's just a question that is over top of you bearing down and you just can't get rid of it. Those are the moments most often where we get to use the relational capital that we have worked so hard to gain with someone um, to be able to ask whether or not it's appropriate or okay for us to pray for them in that moment, or whether or not it's okay to have a conversation about the question that they're struggling with, or whether or not it's okay, or any way that we can serve them as they grieve, or as they mourn, or as they celebrate. One of the awesomest things that we've ever gotten to do was send a bunch of comic books and cookies to one of our League of Legends teammates that got <laughs> redeployed to <laughs> Afghanistan. Um, mm. and We asked him if it was okay if we sent him a Bible. That's what you had mentioned, Peter, right, like tracts, giving away tracts. Yep, and. You know, we've really gotten some pushback from folks over the years. Like, hey, gospel and gaming needs to have some tracts, and we don't at the moment. We still don't. Like the the number one track that we have is we buy Bibles and we give them away. <laughs> That's what we do. Um, one of the things that we well,
1: get to do. Well, and just to interject a yeah. little bit here, I think I think you're absolutely correct about that because kind of the the emblem of the whole satanic panic from the 80s and 90s for a lot of gamers is that dark dungeons track that Jack yep. Chick put out that's deliberately inaccurate yeah. and yeah. does a lot of um are you guys familiar with the term fud from the tech yeah. industry Yep. fear uncertainty and yep. doubt mm-hmm. is what that yep. stands for there's a there's a lot of occult fud in that track and it's it's very inaccurate
2: yeah
4: yeah it's about it's about once a month that we'll get a question from somebody either and the question either comes in one of two ways Either one, how is it that Christians can be involved in fantasy magic settings or two, how is it that you guys can play that Dungeons and Dragons game? Isn't that terrible? (laughs) And that's coming from Christians. Right. So again, this this highlights the need for there to be a bridge, not only that there needs yeah. to be evangelistic efforts of building relationships and sharing who Jesus is and why he matters with a hurt, loss, and wounded people who are gamers, but then also we need to do a good job of educating one another, of encouraging one another and challenging one another, that these gamers are also awesome, empowered, and incredibly intelligent people who are all over the world and capable of doing things that are absolutely profound.
1: And it's, very, it's a very uh, uniting kind of thing, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's been interesting to me, and I think Jenny would probably agree with this, coming up through the, the Fear the Boot community, it looks uh, if you go to Fear the Con, it looks an awful lot like how Jesus describes the kingdom of God in the Bible. There's a lot of kind of um, unreciprocated generosity where it's like, we're just yeah. going to do this stuff for you with no expectation of getting anything back, you know? somebody has a need they tend to get cared for pretty quickly There, you know people are supportive and there's a lot of that kind of communal love and care even though it isn't explicitly uh, and in a lot of cases there's it's not even implicitly because there are atheists and yeah. people from other yeah. you know faiths in the fear of the boot community but there's a lot of that kind of communal care yeah. and stuff and even that you see there
2: even outside of the fear of the boot community um one of the things that keeps coming up at Gen Con over and over and over again in, in Indianapolis is that gamers tip the best hmm. because they've, most gamers have probably been in that low paying job that requires tipping to get by. And, and just gamers are the best tippers in Indianapolis.
4: Which is an awesome reputation to have, right? Like that's Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. yeah. like listening to you guys' interview with Adam a couple of weeks ago, right? Like talking about how the Drury and various different hotels have been like, hey, when are you guys coming back? We want to have you back. That is a better witness than any track could ever be, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, one pastor here in the St. Louis area, Ryan Laughlin, put it this way. Not that words speak louder than actions or that actions speak louder than words, but that words and actions speak best when they both point in the same direction.
2: And that's really
4: what we want to do. Whether we're playing League of Legends, whether we're rolling dice at the table, whether we're learning a new game, or whether or not we're going to a funeral for a gamer who we've gotten to play games with. All of those things have happened over the last four years. And all of those things build up to leading into opportunities where we can share who Jesus is, his life, his death, and his resurrection, and the hope that he offers to folks no matter where they're at in life. Was that pretty really enough fantastic.
2: for you? <laughs> that, that, no, that That was It's that was just very good. I, was I, taking I it. my worship
4: leader
1: calling me off of the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that came and gone? <laughs> 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 it's been a while since we used the Yankee. game. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to decide whether I want to just leave it on that or if I want to ask you another follow-up question. So are, you guys, are you guys okay if we ask you guys a question?
2: Go ahead. Yeah, sure. I, I, would, I would
4: just want to ask this and hear from you guys. You guys, again, everyone comes from a different gaming perspective and a different gaming voice. It's one of the things that I really love about Michael is that he's got a very different background than I do, and I can learn all sorts of stuff from him. So I want to learn from you guys just about the different gaming cultures. You talked about one particular culture at Fear the Con that you guys have experienced. And I don't necessarily want to hear, you know, the best and the worst of your experiences, but rather, could you guys definitely say that there are different groups of people that you experience, even inside the larger macro culture of gaming.
2: Yes.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. The Fear the Boot group is very different from the Magic the Gathering group, for mm-hmm. instance, yeah. who I mostly see at um, pre-releases and stuff because I'm not a competitive Magic player. Uh, my budget is not infinite, and uh, I don't really kind of enjoy the poker-like intensity of competitive Magic, but it's it's definitely a different crowd. Yeah. Jenny, how about you?
2: I have, I think, I think, Peter, even though I've been, I believe I've been gaming for longer than you, I believe I have a a much more narrow experience with gaming in general. Within the role playing game community, there are multiple different subcultures. There's the general one that I'm a part of that just likes to play games. And then you've got stuff like the Pathfinder Society. And that is a very different role playing scene than just, you know, we play games sometimes at my house because there is that living world within the Pathfinder setting. There is heavy, heavy structure behind everything that goes on with the Pathfinder society. And and that's really cool. I can't get into that. I'm not that kind of gamer. I can't do that. But I do recognize that within gamer culture, there are many, many different subsets. Even within those subsets, there are more subsets and so on and so forth. Like there's the Tumblr gaming culture, which is... sure. A pack of, of worms right there. And then there's, and then there's Reddit gaming culture, which is very different from Tumblr gaming culture and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And I find that the Tumblr gaming culture is largely creative and critical, whereas the Reddit culture is critical and appreciative. And especially with Tumblr, there's there's a transformation aspect as well. So we are willing, if, I, if I'm on Tumblr, I am willing to look at a thing and be like, what if it was like this? Whereas Reddit looks at a game and lists off the things that they like about the game, and then suggests possible changes due to those things that they like about the game. Mm. Stuff like that. That kind of culture is pervasive within those separate communities. Yeah, it's
4: almost like the difference between a culture of cynicism versus a culture of critique.
2: Yeah, yeah. And
4: and both of them may have times when they need to, to, to speak up more and can be of value. Yeah. But there's a definite Absolutely. distinction.
2: Anyway, that probably answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, that was yeah. great.
3: That was actually yeah, really, it's, really it's
1: weird to have guests on and be
2: interviewed by them,
1: but it's it's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well,
3: well, I, I guess hosts, was there anything want else well, that you well, wanted to,
1: to <laughs> ask yeah. us while yeah, you're here? Yeah. I mean, we're more than happy to answer stuff. It's just mm-hmm. it's a little different for us. Well and yeah, well call, I want to actually. reserve a time in the future where we can just talk about D and D.
2: Okay. That yeah. is fun. Be fun.
4: And you
1: guys are <laughs> I mean, I would be more than happy to
4: yeah.
2: do
1: that,
4: but mm-hmm. but that'll have to be another time. But I think that'll be great because I'd love to hear mm-hmm. more about D&D.
1: I do want to throw one last thing that I thought of kind of into yeah. um, Jenny's thing about the different gaming communities. The gaming podcast community. Yeah. is very different from any of the like text-based ones. Largely in positive ways, aggressively supportive is probably the best way I can put it. Like, <laughs> yeah. if, if you start up a, a gaming podcast and you just kind of tentatively reach out to some of the more established ones and what you're doing is in good taste, I should say.
2: Yeah, yeah. You will be
1: buried under the wave of help that people try and give you? It's, it's like, here's the microphone that we use, and here's the audio editing software we use, and here's the specific, like, noise-gating settings that you should use, and here's, here's some advice about getting in touch with guest hosts, and here's how you should record things. And if you ever want us to, you know, come on, you, you know, and help you know boost your signal with our reputation you're welcome to do that it's just I mean we've made some wonderful friends through the uh, RPG podcasting community but boy is it drinking from the fire hose when you're getting started (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just just the, the enthusiastic, loving fire hose,
3: <laughs> And that's a good problem to have because people, mm-hmm. it oh, means people, people are excited about what they're doing and they're eager about sharing what they've learned about what it takes to put together a podcast, what it means to talk about tabletop gaming, what it means to be a Christian in the tabletop gaming space. That enthusiasm is awesome.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's and it's it's been something that I have become more used to, but has never ceased to be something that I'm grateful
2: for. Yeah.
1: Every time we get somebody new on the show or we make contact with somebody else who's in this space, the experience has been pretty similar where it's like, hey, this is really exciting. You know, let us share our story of what we've been, I mean, this conversation we've been having with you guys is a perfect example. Yeah. You know, hey, we haven't really interacted much in the past, but I'm really excited to talk to you guys. You know, i, I Tell us what you've been doing, you know, what can we take away from each other?
3: It's it's a wonderful thing.
1: hmm Yeah. Oh, and there's the train.
3: Right on cue. Awesome. I'm glad he was able to stop by and make an appearance yes. while we were here.
4: Speaking of enthusiastic uh, guests. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. The, the engineers yeah. have mastered the art of just hitting that horn, like, right as soon as they yeah. pass that first house. It just turns the whole street into a massive megaphone. It's...
2: Yeah. Um, Remarkable. And, and this, and this one was louder than I'm used to it being. Like, all well, the windows open. Oh, <laughs> uh, that'll, <laughs> that'll help.
4: That'll help. <laughs> don't, let me, don't let me spiders in, Peter. Be careful. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I'm actually thinking of using spiders as an icon for like a protective group in some future ooh, game that I run. Ooh, so that'd be cool.
2: That'd be interesting because I'm used to spiders as like definitely antagonistic. I mean, granted, I am currently in the middle of watching both Inuyasha and Hunter x Hunter, with bo- which both deal with spider villains. Mm. So. You know, but well, and I mean, be you think about Lolth
1: in D anD D too, right? You yeah. know, the evil drow goddess that you know—it's all full of spider imagery and stuff. But you think about what role spiders have in the actual ecosystem, and it's much more like the misunderstood spider means. <laughs> we,
3: we, yeah. we need some more Charlotte's Web in there. We
1: do, yes. Yeah. Like we exactly. we need like Charlotte's
4: Web apologists. Let's,
3: is there a subreddit
1: yes. for that? Yeah, or or <laughs> Spider-Man
3: for that I'm matter.
4: Spider-Man as
1: well. Yeah. One of the most straight-up good guys in the whole Marvel universe. He's up yeah. there with Cap. Yep. Well, now that we're talking about spiders with the train going past, I think maybe we should wrap the recording portion <laughs> yeah. of the, uh, yeah. the podcast I mean, yeah, here. That's,
2: that's probably a good place to wrap it up.
1: Well, thanks so much for,
4: for letting us come on and for inviting us on, guys. Again, we'd love to do it again sometime. We'd love to, again, share our enthusiasm and, um, and share more stories. I've got more stories that I'd love to share just about gamers that the Lord has, has been at work in their life with. I'd love to answer more questions and ask you guys more questions in the future. So thanks so much for getting this started just with today's podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: we'd definitely love to have you back. And, you know, ask Mike Perna. We do have people back on occasion. (laughs) Or Derek. That's what I like to hear. (laughs) All right. So I guess we're going to leave it there, folks. Um, Grant, sorry for actually making you edit the train into this podcast this Mm. time, but real conversation happened during it. So yeah. Well, we'll see what he does. Yeah. At any rate, from all of us at Saving the Game and Gospel in Gaming, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. See ya. This has been a production of
0: Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution share-alike license. Our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Our music is The Promised Place Beyond the Clouds by James Opie. You can find more of his music at Nihilor.com. To hear our past episodes, to find syndication and license details, to connect with our fantastic listener community, or to contact us or support our show through Patreon, visit our website at stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, do good, and happy gaming.